Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Chewing the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the mums, especially my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. I've been here. This is the Black Country Blokes, Tuna Fat, with me, Kev Dillon and Lee Cadman. And our very special guest today is Richard Woodall, who won a bronze medal in 1988, a Commonwealth gold in 90, then went on to being a world champion in 1998. A couple of titles in between there, Kev, as well. The, the Commonwealth and the European at the middle. Boxed at such a very high level and now is one of the coaches and a GB. And also, you might recognise the voice, especially from being a commentator on Sky Sports. So, Richie, thank you. Oh, not, not Sky Sports, B- BT Sport. BT Sport, mate. BT Sport. <laughs> That's it, I've just lost a contract. <laughs> oh, got more work. You do, oh, you've just lost me one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, Rich, I mean, boxing at them high levels and going to, like, um, obviously with the Olympics this year, Commonwealth Games, being in our hometowns of Birmingham. How was the nerves, Richard, getting onto that massive stage? Um, I've always been nervous when I boxed. I was... Um... Right from the word go, my very first fight when I had, uh, right through my pro career, I think nerves are part of the game, and um, I quite enjoyed the nerves at the end I, because n- nerves for me is fear. I was I was always scared when I went in the ring. It's a funny sort of fear, actually. I was never scared of me opponents ever, not one bit scared of the opponent, but I was always scared of just the, just the situation I was in. Um, I really feared getting beat in the first round and humiliated, I suppose. So, uh, but, but the opponent wise, I, that didn't really ever bother me. Yeah. It was just on the stage when you're in the, especially in the Olympics and that you've got to be able to control your nerves. But yeah, I, I was frightened. I don't mind admitting it. I was frightened stiff, but, um, yeah, but you just, you just got to handle those nerves. And in the end, I, I got quite excited by it really being scared going into the ring as daft as that sounds. It probably made me, Made made me box better actually. Um, that fear factor, I think, is really important. Probably in in any sport, but especially in boxing. I always say to boxers now, if you fight with a bit of fear running through your veins, you, you fight better. It keeps you on edge, and um, so I quite enjoyed it at the end. But I didn't enjoy it when I first started boxing. I was quite scared, and sometimes I didn't want to box because I did get very scared to box. But uh, you just go through it. You got to do it at the end of the day, and. Uh, yeah, it's something that I handled more and more and more easily as I went on through the experience that I had. But I don't mind admitting it, I was scared that scared stiff I was. I think it's great having like boxing legends like yourself coming on and we've had um, uh, up-and-comers like Noel Farrell and uh, Fresh Clock. And I think it's great for yeah. our boxers then at the gym. Because a lot of the times they don't, they feel like, I don't want, I'm not a coward, Kev. And I went, no, you're a human being. You should be frightened. If you weren't frightened, there's someone eating mm. you in the air. You ain't yeah. bloody... No, that's right. Yeah, like I say, um, being nervous, I think, is a good thing. Obviously, um, boxers handle the nerves differently and handle the fear differently. But for me, I, I, it wasn't bothering me. If I, if I was on my own before a fight, 
Um, and which I have been when I box for England, I box abroad for England. I've been in tournaments where where we've had a few boxers um, in the tournament, and the coaches were with them because they were boxing. I was sort of on next, or I was in, I was on a couple of fights time, and I was in the dressing room sometimes on my own, uh, just having a quick warm up. And but that didn't bother me. Um, I just got on with it, and uh, as it, as my career went on, like I say, that fear makes you box better, and you shouldn't be ashamed to be scared. You should, not in boxing. It's good to be scared because it just gives you that edge. I think anyway, it did for me. A lot, of, a lot of the fear is actually uh, the fear of losing, isn't it? As you say, yeah. you weren't scared of your opponents. It's more yeah. that the embarrassment that you think is going to be postponed upon you for losing. Yeah, exactly. Um, that is absolutely spot on. Um, I, like I say, it always scared me to be to be stopped in the first round for me. Um, was my biggest, probably biggest fear to be stopped or knocked out in the first round. And it nearly happened a couple of times. I was never stopped as an amateur, but I got dropped two or three times in the first round uh, where I just made a mistake and I got caught with a left hook or right hand over the top because I was a tall fella. And um, even in, I think, my, my Olympic quarter final, boxing for the bronze, um, if I won the fight, then I go through to the medal stages. I get stuck on my backside probably the first forty seconds, thirty or forty seconds. A kid called Rivera from Rivera from uh, Puerto Rico. He he knocked like two. I think he knocked two opponents out before me. And in the first round, I dropped my hands and he just caught me. I think it was a right hand. Over. Oh, it might have been a left hook actually. Left hook. Bosh, I went straight straight on the seat of my pants. But I suppose it was a flash knockdown. And I just remember looking up and him running back to his corner, doing this funny dance with his hand, hand punching the air. And it woke me up. I thought, right, mister, you're in for it now, mate. And, uh, yeah, it woke me up. So it did me a favour. But, yeah, that fear of the first round, getting stopped in the first round, used to frighten me to death. Frighten me to death. And it's funny when you say, like, you weren't frightened of some of the calibre. I mean, you box some of them. Bloody business, didn't you, Rich? From Roy Jones to Kawasaki. You know what I mean? And most people who've grown up through the 90s and watching the game, you know, you were in there with some of the best doctors of the era and you were in there with them and beating a lot of them, weren't you, mate? Yeah, I boxed some good kids, actually. Yeah, that we, that we I mean, my last ever contest was against Joe Calzaghe. And um, I remember being asked that, actually. Um, a guy said to me, um, just, just, just plain asking me, and I suppose it was quite insulting to me in in a way because he said to me, he says you must have been really, really scared of Calzaghe when you fought him. And I just looked him in the eye and I went, nah, I wasn't scared, not one, one bit of Joe Calzaghe. What you? And he, he looked and he couldn't believe he thought I was lying. I said, no, I was, I was, I was never scared of Joe. I was never scared um, of any, not one opponent. Not one, and I mean that. I wasn't. I looked across at him and I thought, "You're getting it tonight," and that's exactly how I thought against Joe Calzaghe. I had no fear that way, no fear against an opponent, but the situation you're in was my biggest fear. And I had a terrible first round against Calzaghe again. I didn't start very well. He put some some punches together in the first round and caught me with some really good shots. But um, it was a different ball game in the in the second round. I come out quite strong in the second round. But uh, yeah, it was an in, this guy insulted me. He says you you must have been scared of him. I went nah, no, and I wasn't, and I wasn't because, and you can't explain that in a way. Um, that's just probably the, the the person you are, and that's in your DNA. 
and um, I wasn't scared. I honestly admit that I wasn't scared of the opponent ever. No, not at all. But like when you got the the medals, obviously the Olympics, Commonwealth, as well as all the other titles, what your World Championship. Uh, was it just an, an absolute euphoria like you couldn't believe it or did you always know that that was your destiny um that, that's a great question because i always had a dream of being a world champion a professional world champion since i was a kid um always wanted to be like muhammad ali i did he was my all-time hero ali i had two heroes growing up um, in boxing one was ali and one was hagler marvin hagler he really influenced me because i always thought he was the one of the greatest all-round boxers ever hagley he could fight he could box so i always looked up to those those type of boxers but along the way then i, I always wanted to box for england and my dad always said from a very young age he says you could go to the olympics one day you could he says you've got the style my dad always believed in me and he says, you could go to the Olympics. And then he, he so my, my dad planted little seeds, I think, in my head. And so, yeah, I thought, yeah, I want to box for England. I want to go. So my all-time goal was to win a world title and be like Muhammad Ali. But then I set my sights on on things like boxing for England. And I remember boxing for England for the first time and then going to the Olympics. That was another goal that I set myself. So I think great sportsmen and women – uh, and people in life who are successful are goal setters, and I set my goals that way, boxing for England. I always remember putting the England vest on for the first time. I was so proud of my – I got my first England vest still at home. And that means so – I would never part with that England vest. Um, that means so much to me. So, yeah, then then I went to the Olympics, and my old man again said to me, he said, you could win a medal at the Olympics, which he says, you just got to believe in yourself. Yeah. And I just trained so, so hard. And, yeah, winning the bronze medal, um, in fact, I was quite disappointed because I'd, I'd, I'd won three and then I got beat against, um, I got beat against Roy Jones in the, in the fourth contest, in the semis. And everyone was sort of patting me on the back and saying, oh, well done, you've won the bronze. And I got back in the dressing room. I was pig sick, I was, because I got beat against Jones. Um, you know, he was just a little bit too quick for me. Um, and everything I tried, you know, he had answers for. And I just, every time with him, you see, he used to set traps. If you, um, if you got angry with him and frustrated and you tensed up, then he would just box your head off. And, but the more I got hit, the more angry I was getting type of thing. So, uh, I wasn't too far away. There wasn't a lot in the fight, but he was, you know, he won it. But people were patting me on the back, but I was going, I'm out the Olympics. You know, I was devastated in a way. But yeah, winning a bronze medal, still got the bronze. And my, my, my dad always says that um, winning a Olympic bronze, he looks he looked at that as my greatest achievement in boxing, my dad did. It wasn't winning a world title for him, it was winning um, an Olympic bronze medal, he says, because that was the real world stage. So uh, yeah, my dad, God rest his soul, that's what he always said, yeah. I think it's important what you say as well. You had your, your dad kind of... Um... Me, me and Kev both coaches and we know that you, you know these little words in your ear and these little things of encouragement and giving you self-belief that you can achieve things it's it's very important mm. to a person like that in your life especially when you, you're younger you know you're, you're not you, you're not especially as you grow up as well but to, yeah. in your teenage years you need someone there who says actually you are good enough to do this you are good enough you can keep going. yeah I was I was blessed. I was. I had a fantastic dad. He, honestly, I'm not just saying that because he's gone now. Because he died in 2015, my dad. And I still, I'm still not over getting over. I'll never get, ever get over. I was speaking about him today, actually, to a, a few boxers who was asking about my dad. I'll never get over the, the the death of my dad. Never ever because it 
it's, I still fill up now um, talking about my dad. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, he, he was such a very influential figure to me. Um, but I was lucky because there's a lot of people out there. And I'll tell you something about my dad. As, as, a, as a talent, I wasn't as talented as my dad. My dad was a, was a brilliant all-round sportsman. He was very good at football. He played, I think he played for the Albion Colts up to about 16, 17. He played, he played cricket for Warwickshire under 19s. He was a great all-rounder, but, but he never had the encouragement from his father. Now, I never knew my granddad. He was a West Bromwich bloke, very proud man, apparently. But I never knew him. And um, my dad always says that he never had the backing from his dad. He was his big, and he, he really looked up to his dad. My dad did. But, but my, so my dad really gave me and my brothers a, a, a lot of, of love and, and, you know, encouragement. And I was very, very lucky because I probably, I might not have even gone as far in boxing as I did without my dad and, and he was more talented than me I'm telling you now I used to watch my dad play football I used to watch my dad bowl when he was a 65 year old bloke he could still come hurtling down a cricket pitch and w throw a ball mate a, a hundred mile now at the, at the and hit the, hit the stumps he was so talented but he never had the backing and I recognise that now. You have to, you have to give your kids, and, and you know, and you guys are doing a great job with your amateur clubs because you've got to be mentors, you've got to be positive role models for young kids that are coming through. Because a lot of these kids haven't got fathers like I had, and I know that's so important. So yeah, I'm still involved in amateur boxing, obviously, in a big, big way, and I and I try and pass on my experience. But more than that, I try and pass on encouragement encouragement to the boxers i've been coaching today fraser clark and a couple of others and i've said to him fraser you're good enough to win the olympic games because you also as coaches you have to put that belief into a boxer because that's all part of it he's got to go and do it definitely but you play a major role in giving that kid you know that 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 sense of he, he can achieve and that's what my dad did for me it was probably the greatest thing he ever did for me he made me believe that i could be a world champion and i, I, I became that world champion well i always believed i went boxer said to me how can i give back to the club when don't give back because me like you like your dad we did it because we loved you give forwards that way there's yeah. all someone having love and as long as we keep giving forward that love and that knowledge tomorrow will be a better day for someone Exactly. That's that's a great that's great encouragement what you said there and great words. Very very true. Like I said, um, and I'm president of the Wellington Boxing Academy and I go down there occasionally. I do still a bit, a bit of pad work with the lads and and like I say, there's some of the kids that I that I coach down there and the coaches that have got that are down there at Wellington. They do a great job because there's some of the kids that in there that you know their their parents may be taking drugs. I don't know. Um, there's some kids down there that haven't you know they've got they're part of single parent families. I think there's a couple of kids there that haven't really. They come from different homes. And so, like I say, you play a major role in their life because they start looking up to you as sort of a father figure, and that's when you've got to be positive. And some of the kids might not go on and ever, might not ever box if they don't want to, but you're providing an environment for them that they enjoy, that they, that they, and they learn values and they, they learn good morals from your input. And it's so important that sets them off, sets them out in, in a path in life that can lead to, to, to great things, but, but more than ever, it leads to decency, you see. 
when you're that role model, it leads to decency and it leads that person into going into a good, a good life. And that's what you want to do, whether they box or not. You're providing an environment which is very encouraging. And as you say, it's full of love and you've got to mentor them and, and set them off in life in a good way. I mean, Wellington are a great club. Um, but I, I think outsiders looking in, they see boxing, amateur boxing, professional boxing, as these two people knocking each other about. But when that, if that, that same person who frowns upon boxing comes mm -hmm. into the gym and we're not throwing kids on the scrappy, we're polishing them up, making them better people. We're not teaching hooligans how to fight, we're teaching them not to fight, to compete, to control yeah. anger, to not be a bully and what boxing gyms do and so much of grassroots sport but obviously we're all up from the boxing world people have got to go to the gym and see how no one is treated different the color of skin how much money they got in the bank you are all just a family doesn't matter what color you are what religion you are you're a boxer you're in you're in a boxing family and I always say this, that, that amateur boxing, I think, it, it's the best sport in the world, I think, amateur boxing, because it, 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 it serves the community so well in a way that what it does, and people don't get this, but what amateur boxing does, it, it, helps, it helps youngsters, boys and girls now, of course, it helps youngsters control their emotions and people don't get that. They don't realise that. Like you said, people who are not boxing fans think, well, no, what you're doing, you're just teaching, you're teaching young kids how to fight better and, 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 and be more of a menace. And that isn't what boxing does. We teach them obedience, if anything, and it teaches them how to control their emotions. And that's really, really important. And they get the benefit then from that later on in life how to control their emotions you see and that's what amateur boxing does more than any other sport i think because it puts them in and the people say to me well how do you get them to, how, how do you get them to control the emotions i say because they're put in situations where they can't lose their temper they can't go off on one they have to control their emotions to get through the situation they're in in a sparring situation for instance because i've heard many kids who aren't boxers go oh i couldn't be a boxer i just lose my temper and i say no you wouldn't lose your temper in boxing because that's what boxing does boxing helps you and teaches you to control your emotions when you're about to lose your temper you start to control things and then what happens then is that gets passed on to other areas of your life where you might have lost your temper, then you start to control things and then you can control the area of your life. And people don't get it. They only get it when they sample it in a boxing gym, either by watching or they actually do it for themselves. And when you do it for yourself, then you know what I'm talking about. And everyone listening to this who knows about boxing will go, yep, yeah, he's right. It does, it does help to control the emotions. And that's one of the greatest gifts, I think, amateur boxing does for kids. And like I say, some of them kids may never go on to box. But if you can get them to control their temper, control their emotions, to, to handle pressure situations, that then will serve them for the rest of their life. That's right. And it goes back to the nerves earlier as well. It helps. Yeah. As you, you get nervous, you do get frightened, but you've still got to push through sometimes and do it because you don't know what's yeah. over that line, do you? You know, And that goes again for yeah. life. You've got to go over that, even You're if it's getting... Well, you're always scared, aren't you, when, you, when you're being pushed into, into places that you're not familiar with um, and, and the unknown, the unknown and how, how are you going to react and how are you going to react when that first time you ever box, first time you ever spar. I remember the first time I ever sparred. I do. 
<laughs> Honestly, I remember the first time I ever sparred. I remember my first bout, the nerves, the fear. And it's that it's, 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 the, it's, it's being pushed into the unknown. But when you go through it and what you get from it, then it serves you for the rest of your life. It has, it has for me. I mean, on a bit, I know people who've gone for job interviews and they've gone for whatever. And I went, Kev, I remember when I was fighting down in Liverpool and I was in the ABAs. That was fear. So getting turned down for a job, that was all right. I just had to go in and you could say yes or no. Exactly. And, and when you're in those situations, then you see, you can revert back to when the fear that you felt in the ring and when you went in the ring for the first time. And like you say, it helps them to get through it because they think, well, what am I scared about? Look what I've been through in the, in the boxing ring, in the boxing gym, when I sparred so-and-so or when I fought so-and-so. I handled that. I can handle this, no problem. And it gets them through. Exactly. It's experience, you see. I mean, you know, like you once again, you've got to such a high level, but now you're coaching at such a high level. And as a coach, you know, when I mean, you keep men, but they're still your babbies, and they're there, whether it's a club show or the Olympics, the nerves when you can't, you've done everything you can do, and then mm. you've got to sit down and watch them do it. At least when you're in there, you've got control, but you sat there thinking, come on, come on. It, it's torturous. <laughs> yeah, I, I, get, I get nervous still now when, when our boxers go out to tournaments and we're watching the if we're back here in, in the gym because obviously only so many coaches can go to the tournament and if I'm back here and we've got live feeds I, I, I'm Alan Vaughan is very similar to me Alan Vaughan is another one of our coaches um, and he's been a former boxer he was a, he was a former world champion uh, as an amateur Alan Vaughan was great kid and he's a great coach he really is and me and him are pacing up and down <laughs> Honestly, when I, I, I look at him, he looks at me, and we're, we're, we're that nervous because we know exactly what they're going through and what they've got to do and how good they are and if they perform to their potential. And oh, we're just talking all that. What do you think? What do you think of that round? How do you think he got on? And this, oh, well, how did she get on? It's, it's just, yeah, th those nerves are, are still with us now as coaches because we know what they're going through and uh, we just want the, what's best for them. Uh, but yeah, those nerves live with you, I think probably throughout your life, I think. Oh, oh, there's nothing worse than uh, watching boxing with my dad, especially if it's one of the babbies from the, and he leaves every shot, he's slipping the punches, he's throwing them in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, your dad's a great guy, Bobby's, and uh, yeah, he, he again, he's, he's, a, he's a very well-respected coach. And yeah, I've been with him again when we've been watching fights, and he he, he looks as nervous as me. And I have to say, Bob, sit down, will you? <laughs> so yeah, or, or he's telling me to sit down. One of us. Yeah, again, because he's been a fight. I mean, your dad had a lot of fights, didn't he, for Wally yeah. Amateur Boxing Club and, and Reg, Reg, under Reggie Steele. And we often talk about Reggie Steele because he was a great man and a, a great coach, Reggie from Wally. So, yeah, your dad obviously had a lot of fights. And so, he, he you know, when, when you've been in there and you've done it, then you know what they're going through and you know what they're, fit, you know what they're feeling. And, and uh, yeah, you feel what they're feeling, basically. I remember I was, just before you come on, Rich, I was talking to Lee. The Lions Boxing Club, when it opened in 2000, it was Sir Henry Cooper, you, Nigel Rafferty and Harvey Mitty who come down and opened it up for us. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. How, how long ago was that now, Kev? 2000, we opened. Where's that, where's that gone, eh? 21, 21 years. The great Sir Henry is not, 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 not longer with us. Nigel Rafferty, good lad, Nigel, Wolverhampton lad. Centurion had, had over 100 professional fights. Someone I really admire because anyone who's had 100 pro fights, you got to take your hat off to him. 
So, yeah, and of course, Arv Mitu as well. I think he, he was a century, and I think he had over 100 fights as well, Arv. And I, what I like about Arv Mitu, he'd box at the drop of an hat. You could ring him up and say, listen, the show's in trouble. Uh, we got no one on. You, we need you. And he'd say, oh, I'm on my way. He'd, just, he'd probably finish his tea, and he's on his way. He'd box, box at the drop of an hat. Proper, proper gladiator, those two fellas, gladiators. But it's wonderful like, what you're doing for us now and uh, when you come down to do it. I mean, it's it's brilliant when people remember where they start in the Spit and Sawdust gym and, and they give back. So I can't thank you enough, Richie. Yeah, it's all about, like I say, it's all about um, giving back to the sport, definitely, and bringing youngsters on and bringing you know, people through. And the sport is growing it's great. Women's boxing is growing, you know, and um, amateur boxing, like I said, my, my dad, he started, he started, he started Telford Amateur Boxing Club up uh, in 19, probably 75, 76, something like that. And um, some of the lads that box for him then, are, uh, you know, are still involved in that club and have started other, other clubs up. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great family and, and, and amateur boxing, like I say, it, it gives so much back to the community. And, you know, I, I know this from, from personal experience. All, all through my career, we've always had uh, the odd policeman pop his head through the door. How are you doing? You're doing a great job. Because they, they realise as well, you're taking, you know, like the Wellington Boxing Academy, for instance, takes between 60 and 70 kids a night off the streets of Wellington and Lee Gomery, which is an area of Telford. It's just incredible, really. And like I say, I always say amateur boxing coaches are unpaid social workers because you're doing a great job for, for the community, taking kids off the streets, you're disciplining them, you're training them, you're educating them in terms of what they should be eating. And when they leave the gym, they don't go back on the streets. They go back home, they want to go to bed because they're tired and they're not causing any trouble. And I'm not saying all youngsters are troublemakers. I'm not, I'm not saying all youngsters are troublemakers in our gym. They're not. But what I am saying is, if those 60 or 70 kids weren't at our club, then where would they be? They could be up to no good. They could be talking to people who are offering them drugs and whatever. But in our, in our gym, they're in a drug-free environment. They're being mentored by real good coaches and they're being disciplined. And like I say, amateur boxing clubs all over the... There should be an amateur boxing club on every council estate across the land that's that's funded by the government because that's what that's what the cracking job they do for the local community. That's my opinion, I tell you. Well we said that before, like in some of the roughest parts of the country where even the police don't turn up, you'll find a boxing gym. And then find a boxing gym. Where there's people who aren't getting paid and they've got more respect than anyone because Yep. If they're naughty, they get a rollicking. But when they're yep. good, God, they make them feel like a world champion. As you say, even if they never go and box. Exactly. You know, they do it such a such a service to, to the club. And like I say, all through my career, amateur career, you know, my dad had a great sort of relationship with local police and that because the police know that you're doing a good job and, you, and you're not getting nothing for it. Because proper amateur boxing, what what, what I don't like um, is, is, is amateur boxing clubs you, or using the amateur boxing banner and then and getting a load of money from it, from it, and people profit profiting from that. that. That shouldn't happen, you know. If you're an amateur boxing club, my old man, you see, was really old school. It, we would whatever money was raised, 
my dad raised with the amateur boxing club uh, should he, he always spent on kids always spent on the kids of the club he says because he says at the end of the year Richie says there shouldn't be anything in the accounts if we got a bank account he says it should, it should, it should go on the, on the kids either on trophies on tracksuits on taking them out he says it's an amateur boxing club um, you know my dad never got a penny for it um, as 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 uh, properly as boxing coaches all across the country aren't getting anything for it, they do it for the love of it. But the service they do to the community, mate, I tell you what, it's it, it's the best. It really is the best. Can I, sorry, can I ask a question? Going off topic a bit, um, but all the amateur boxers that are coming up now and and, and professionals, what advice would you give them for coming over a lot, uh, getting over a loss? Because we, you know, we find. Um, we, yeah. we find when we take these amateur boxing in the ring, some of them obviously devastate after, after a loss and never you never see them again. Is there anything you could kind of guide them um, in giving them a bit of voice about that? Yeah, yeah. Loss, losing contest is is all about is what boxing is all about. In that you know you 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 have to get over a loss. You get back in the gym. You put it right in the gym. You discuss it with your coach. I used to hate losing. I'm, I was very good at hiding my emotions, uh, but deep down I used to, and I still do, I hate losing anything. And in the ring, I used to hate losing. So I used to go back, but I've, I learned very early on that boxing is a part of the, sorry, losing is a part of the process in boxing. You know, you can't win them all, although there are people like Joe Calzaghe who did win them all as a professional, but, you know, even he lost as an amateur. So you can't win them all. You are going to get beat. But being a true champion, um, when you get beat, it, it it's the mark of a true champion. How he responds is how I would say. Um, and if you are a true, a true champion or you're going to be a, a champion, then you have to respond from a defeat. And sometimes it's not just a physical response. It's, a, it's more of a mental response. Um, I used to hate losing, but I used to get back in the gym. I used to watch where I went wrong, try to put it right, um, and obviously just discuss it, basically. What you shouldn't be doing when you get beat is throwing in the towel and thinking, oh, it's not for me, blah, blah. Because believe you me, getting beat is part of boxing. That's it. You just have to handle it. And the mark of a champion is how he comes back from a defeat. And if you're a true champ, then you'll get over it and you'll be better for it. You know, sometimes you have to take a step back to take two steps forward. And what I mean by that is if you get beat, okay, you got beat, but you got beat for, for a reason. Let's put it right. And next time you box that style again, then we beat that style or you beat that kid, whoever he may be. And then that's how you've gone forward. So, yeah, you've just got to be positive. Even in defeat... After the initial shock of getting beat, yeah, okay, it's disappointing. I used to hate it, but you've got to say, right, where did I go wrong? Let's put it right. Well, Richie, thank you, Rex. I know you've got to get off. Um, is there any comments or anything? Just just people saying hello and, and not responding. No, no questions. Well, uh, Richie, um, I'm just going to uh, advertise Tuesday's show. But why I'm talking, we always end the show on, have you got any quotes or saying it's helped you get through life? So I'm just advertising, just have a little think. Um, now, okay. Yep. On Tuesday, uh, next Tuesday, we, well, we've got a pre-recorded episode, haven't we? Because yep. Mike Wood, the MP for Dudley Save, came down to the club and we've got a uh, an interview with him. So that will be released on Tuesday. So talking about all things mental health and and um, what we can do to make it better as well within the within our community. 
because it don't matter if you're conservative labor green for these issues with mental health and how we're treating our people has got to be unified it don't matter what we're voting for because at the end of the day we're going to remember this um these this corona we're going to remember everything so we're going to be, be remembered for failing or trying our best to help our people so please tune in leave comments obviously it's not live but leave comments so then we can pass them over to our mps so richie have you got any quotes or science that's helped you get through life uh yeah i have um for helping me get through life and boxing in general and i always remember this saying it's very very simple there's no elevator to success you have to take the stairs and basically what i mean by that is if you're going to be successful in life or in boxing you've got to put the work in if you don't put the work in you won't be successful so there's no elevator to success there's no there's no quick way you've got to take the stairs and put the graft in well once again thank you richie so guys until we see each other next time take care of yourselves and each other tarara beat listen listen and that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit. Listen, listen, listen.